Hi, my name is Dr. Joe Braid and I am the Burnout Recovery Doctor. I help healthcare professionals overcome burnout and get their energy back. So whether you're a med student, allied health professional, or a doctor who is suffering from feeling overwhelmed and exhausted, you're in the right place. In this podcast, you will get your energy back through strategies for burnout recovery. This show will give you the practical tips and mindset strategies to help you recover from burnout in healthcare. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Well, hello, everybody. This is the next episode of the Burnout Recovery Podcast, and I am delighted to bring on a local guest, Jess Hickman, who lives here in Orange with us and is a really dynamic woman originally from Wales who is the founder of Bullyology. She's the driver of the Upstander movement and recently published her second book. She's a local mentor for the regional development Australia group. She's a wonderful dynamo to have got to know better in Orange through the past year at least. So Jess, I'm so delighted to have you here today. Thank you so much, Joe. I'm really excited to finally we ha- have this conversation. I know we tried last year and life got busy as you know many people listening, but yeah, very exciting. Thank you. You are so welcome. So Jess, would you like to give my listeners your own bio, your sort of own intro that you would like to share with them on the podcast today, please? Yeah, I'm Jess and I am the founder of a business called Bullyology, which really specializes in workplace culture, um, looking at some of the toxic behaviors that make or break workplace culture from bullying, harassment, discrimination. But ultimately, my story and why I'm so excited about this conversation today um, was because I experienced uh, burnout in the workplace from uh, systemic overwork and from working in a toxic environment. But outside of my business and all of the things I get involved with locally, um, you know, I am a wife uh, about to become a new mum. Um, I live on a beautiful property in Orange, New South Wales. So a bit of a change from Sydney, which was originally where I lived. And um, yeah, my background, I'm from Wales. And I came to Australia in 2013 as a young, ambitious backpacker for a three-month career break. And a decade later, um, I'm living my dream life um, in this beautiful country and the countryside of Orange, regional New South Wales, feeling very happy and blessed to be here. Isn't it great? Yeah, I know. I feel the same way as you, having come back come over from the UK actually 20 years ago this year. Um, It's a really wonderful part of the world to be living in and bringing up our families as well. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Really good. It's a gift that keeps giving. It does, doesn't it? Hey, yeah, absolutely. So um, you've recently published your second book here. Here we've got it, The Upstanding, The Upstander Leader. Um, Beautiful. Got it there. Um, Tell me more about what brought you to creating the Upstander movement, please. Yeah, so look, I was very fortunate and I am very grateful for the opportunity I had when I arrived in Australia. I ended up working um, in the top end in Darwin, working on a large oil and gas project um, in a people and culture HR role. 
So I was really interested. My background in the UK, I work for local government and council as a youth manager, but also I held a regional role um, working for a construction company. So I felt really equipped for the, you know, the new challenge in a new country. And, you know, that provided me an opportunity to stay past my three months, uh, get a visa and obviously build a beautiful life here. But that didn't come without its challenges. And um, it's important to let the listeners know that, you know, I was working in the fly in, fly out industry in a really high risk industry with complexities from people living away from home, from friends and family for a month or more at a time, uh, living in cramped living quarters on camps, which came with isolation, loneliness, depression, anxiety, you know, gambling addictions, drinking addictions, you know, even sex addictions got shared mm. with me. So I was very fortunate early on that I could actually uh, develop some culture programs around well-being, success. And, you know, the main thing I wanted to do is ultimately create a nurturing work environment so people could feel, you know, it sounds cliche, but that family away from home, feel like they had support to be signposted to mental health support, physical support and emotional support. And unfortunately, we had a growing rate of suicides on the project and within the industry. So I was very fortunate as a female in that industry. Um, I became quite successful quite quickly um, for my culture programs, which didn't happen overnight, but really focusing on building trust and rapport with the workforce that they felt they could trust me to you know, help them or signpost them. Uh, winning awards, was nominated as Northern Territory Young Achiever of the Year. Wow. Exceptional. Congratulations. Thank you. I didn't win, but, you know, a girl from Wales being nominated in front of the minister was pretty excited. And Fantastic. Exceptional women in resources and all of these other things. But what's important about this conversation isn't me to gloat about my success, even though I am extremely proud. And I think as women, we don't do enough of that. But... Mm -hmm. um, Everything was great on paper, in a beautiful new country, earning good money, doing a job I loved. But six months into that role, I had a new manager who unfortunately was a perpetrator of injustice. And by that, I mean he was toxic, he was a bully, and he harassed me for three and a half years. So it was really interesting that, you know, the importance, as you know, Joe, in your work of culture, well-being, you know, holistic health, nurturing uh, your inner and outer world to succeed at work. Uh, he, he had a very different mindset. So he was very my way or the highway, whereas he believed that these programs were soft, fluffy and, you know, unnecessary. So as you can imagine, our values and our ethics clashed. Uh, but ultimately, he was my boss. He was my manager, my leader. So, um, you know, I did everything in my power to continue to support the workers and succeed. But you know, it 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 was bullying and harassment. So the more successful I became for my programs, the more he would bully, harass me, call me at night, threaten me with job loss, intimidate me at my desk, and, and even one day physically threw a folder at me. So, um, oh, Jess. Yeah, so look, um, while it's a, a traumatic story, um, it was really the catalyst for the work that I do now. And I actually didn't understand the mental, physical and emotional impacts of a toxic culture until I mm -hmm. physically collapsed at work from burnout. And that was in June wow. 2017. Lots of sleepless nights, 
you know, lots of vomiting before work, a heightened nervous system for long periods mm-hmm. of time, uh, fight, flight, or even freeze mode on occasions. And um, mm-hmm. so my physical body was trying to keep up with the emotional toll. And yeah. it wasn't until I ended up in a Darwin hospital bed that I realized the impact and weight of a toxic culture. Mm. So it led me on my mission, Joe, to do what I do now, and that's to raise awareness, but be, build capability within individuals and organizations to recognize these early intervention yes. and also prevention. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing that detailed story there and sort of that extreme situation that you ended up, I guess, being in, being hospitalized for yeah. for health reasons, I guess, which had caught up with you over time. And I would concur that most people don't realize they're nearing burnout or they're actually in burnout until it's usually quite a long time, actually, before yeah. they really check in and go, wait a minute, this is not... Um, how I'm meant to be feeling, how um, feeling, I guess, as in the physical part, but also the mental and emotional part as well. Um, would you like to expand on those parts at all, your your mental and emotional recall of what was happening, yeah. what, what you were experiencing then? Because you shared with us your physical side, but what were the other parts, please, Jess? Yeah. So look, I, we just mentioned my second book, but my first book really um, is my diary entries. Someone gave me great advice to document oh. the experience. And I was right. fortunate okay. enough, um, to document everything that happened for the three and a half year period, stuck on a visa, doing a job I loved, but also feeling solely responsible for the well-being of, of the people I cared about at work. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I had the weight of the world on my shoulders. So looking back at diary entries, um, early on, I started to experience repetitive strain injury. So RSI, aches, pains. I remember one time my hand fully locked. And at the time, I didn't make the emotional connection. It was just my body was so tense and fatigued. I suffered extensive migraines, um, gut health issues, uh, where uh, you know, you know, the gut feels and my, my body was pretty much locked tight for a long period of time. Um, lots of other physical issues with um, you know, just just suffering injuries and tears at the gym. I would try to control uh, my emotions by sometimes even um, over-exercising, overeating, under-exercising. So over that period of time, my weight would fluctuate quite drastically um, depending on how I was coping. And then if I look at the emotional toll, um, sometimes I would feel really angry and feel like why I'm a good person doing a good job. Why, why is this happening? Other times I would burst into tears, have to run out of the office, lock myself in the bathroom and weekends pretty much looked like either excessive drinking and socializing to block out the pain Um, and Sunday was always hell um, which was often vomiting and fear-based and unable to get out of bed at the thought of another week in hell and um, you know that came or I was completely uh, like emotionally or physically or psychologically fatigued that I remember spending a long weekends in bed not answering any friends or family calls and just too burnt out to communicate um, and that went on uh, and you know the psychological effects the anxiety um, you know fuzzy mindset and um, real uh, later I got diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder 
Um, but it took me three years to actually get mental health support. And looking back, I'm, you know, I'm really grateful that I'm in a space now where I'm, you know, healing is a journey. Um, but I was lucky that I got signposted and actually got the help. I wish I'd gone sooner, but I was fortunate enough um, throughout, you know, experiencing all of this that I found meditation, mindfulness, and some of the self-help practices we'll talk about. I think that helped me survive um, and, until it was too much. <laughs> and I yes, yes. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing that, Jess, sort of hearing those emotional outbursts and then um, the irritation and the anger that can come with burnout, yeah. that sort of <clears throat> throwing yourself into a situation to try and numb out from what you're feeling as well um, at the weekend that you referred to or completely withdrawing from that socialization yeah. and sort of that loneliness, that isolation, that yeah. disconnection with relationships that would have been strong relationships, um, yeah. certainly from home and hopefully some that you had locally as well. Well, I think it's important to mention that looking back on the relationships I had in my life, I was very lucky. I was living in Darwin in a shared house and I had beautiful housemates that I looked back and thought I was a housemate from hell because I'd sometimes come home crying and they were so supportive and they're some of my best friends now. But if I look at the relationships, um, uh, over that three-year period, I was pretty much single or kind of dating, which was always the wrong kind of date, like wrong kind of love. I was attracting uh, people into my life that you know were not dark, but I didn't love myself. I was, at a, you know, for a lower frequency. I was not feeling great about myself. So, looking back now uh, at boundaries and what I accept, and I'm, you know, married to a beautiful man now. It's interesting how that when you're suffering at work or um, internally, how that impacts everything in your life, from your social life to your interpersonal relationships, to your work, to your colleagues. And that's why I really struggle with the work-life balance, because I think that they, 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 all, they all are one. And if one isn't going well, it kind of intertwines to, you know, sure. the dream. Yeah, you're the central part to the parts of your life, aren't you? And yeah, yeah for sure, they intertwine. For sure. Okay. Well, I love hearing sort of the recovery and I guess um, I'd love to to hear a bit. Why don't we, why don't we bring this in now? A bit of your self-care routine that um, really is fundamental to keeping yourself well, no matter where you are. Because I know your work takes yourself, takes you traveling, I guess, around the yeah. area as well, even internationally sometimes as yeah. well. What is a part of your self-care routine that you really love and you rarely miss? Yeah. Okay. So there's a couple of things. Um, you know, I, I have to move my body and I'm really into mm. the moment. Um, I used to absolutely, you know, kill myself at the gym over exercising and eating. Um, but now I'm really focused on Pilates and yoga. And I just love, uh, and it's not, um, you know, I'm not a vinyasa girl. I'm a yin girl. And it's the going inward to move your body and just take my time so I think that's so important so I try to practice that wherever I am uh, at least you know, twice or three times or at the moment I'm actually managing a little bit more each week which is surprising considering I'm heavily pregnant but it's so good for my mental well-being as well as physical 
Um, I'm a big um, senses person. So if I'm feeling overwhelmed or my nervous system is heightened, I usually break out in a rash. I may have a little rash now because when I tell my personal story, it can trigger a response in my nervous system. So I'm now five years on from my collapse, but it's interesting uh, for the listeners to understand that people always ask me in my workshops or at events, when will I heal? And I say like, healing is not a linear journey. I've had many setbacks. Um, one of the things I really love is um, grounding senses, um, smells. So I use a lot of essential oils, herbal teas. And I, uh, before anything, like before this podcast, I was outside barefoot grounding myself and straight after this I will go outside barefoot and sometimes if I've done a long event or I can feel my body uh the tension I take a cold shower because that brings me back into my body and just reminds me I'm safe I'm well and uh, you know I love meditation and mindfulness um, so there's some of the kind of practical things I do um also lean on my support network um, my coaches, my mentors, um, if I catch myself starting to fall into a negative loop of thoughts, mm-hmm. I'm really adept now of going, okay, maybe I'll contact my psychologist um, right. and just book in a few sessions because I don't want to f- relapse or fall back yes. into negative. And I think that over the last five years, I've managed to catch myself enough that mm-hmm. I haven't fallen into that burnout trap. And yeah. ultimately, I am an overworker and higher tree achiever. So yes. it's going to be interesting this year, Joe, as I move into you know maternity and motherhood, mm. how mm. I uh, manage myself, not to burn myself out and, and put too much pressure. But yeah, anyone that's experienced burnout before, it's a, it's a constant journey to mm. map and manage self, as you know. Yes. Yeah. So I hear you've got some sort of fundamental self-care routines that come in on the regular yes you've got that self-awareness of monitoring yourself and seeing when your nervous system might be a little bit uh, more on edge than it might have been before and there's some things you can do at home like the cold shower doing a practice before and after you're presenting or so forth Um, but then there are support teams that you you know who you can reach out to and it's not such a big um change in yourself before you reach out for help you actually do it yeah when the bar might be a bit lower and and i think one of the big things joe that has allowed me to stay grounded is having my support network at home so Mm -hmm. um you know troy my husband is great at calling me out of my own bs so Mm -hmm. i'm giving permission that if he sees me overworking you know becoming short and sharp sharp yeah and not actually nurturing myself um Mm. he will say hey you know you need to get yourself to yoga stop working jess it's eight o'clock at night just stop yes and i'm like yes but you know that that reminder just to bring me back in because I can get lost for hours in, in a work yes. mode. Um, yes. Just, come on now, family time, phone down. Yeah. And even though I might be a little bit grumpy, I it, you know, it's a nice reminder that I need to just stop. So mm-hmm. I think that, you yeah. know, having allies or support network is so important for us. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great to hear. Yeah, really good. So you're a real expert sort of in work environments and going in and um, speaking to people on the ground, I guess, in the workplace. 
Um, you do a range of programs um, and supported by your Upstand Academy, um, I, which is great as well. What, what are some of the changes you notice in um, people that you work with during your programs? Would you like to share any of the before and afters that you see, please? Yeah, great. So great question. Uh, typically, when someone engages me to come in, it's usually the business owner, leader, or um, if I look at healthcare, it's um, uh, re recently I've been talking to a head of human resources, the EAP system, or the general manager of nursing, midwifery, or or, you know, whatever. So someone in a quite senior position that has noticed that their staff, employees, may be struggling with topics around workplace culture, you know, even, you know, well-being or burnout. Um, so I usually go in and share my personal story, but also give some fundamental steps for people to develop what I call a speak-up culture. So give them permission to actually ask for help raise their hand uh, and share their experience. So as you can imagine, uh, you know, one of my big focus is talking on toxic workplace cultures, which ultimately is bullying and harassment. So when I start working with an organization, they ultimately think I'm going to come in and do a really, you know, dry tick and flick. Don't bully. This is the legislation. But I pride myself on working on the human behaviors within the business. So making people feel seen, heard and valued. And ultimately, at the core of that is I help people move from bystanders, whether it's bystanders in their own life. Uh, or the workplace and ultimately create upstanders and that's empowering them to look inward and outward at their inner world and outer environment and ultimately take some tangible steps to help them be their best version of self so yeah. to answer your question before I go in people are usually you know quite uptight tense um, and then ultimately at the end you know they come on as cultural allies or upstanders and actually join what I call my upstander movement. And, you know, I have great feedback and I'm fortunate enough to work all over the world um, and help people actually shine a light on the darkness and find the light. And it's always so beautiful to witness people actually acknowledging their own pain and suffering and actually working towards valuing their inner self. And um, ultimately, I do a lot of work with leaders, whether they're CEOs or directors or middle managers. And ultimately, uh, you know, someone giving them permission to be human outside of the leadership job title, acknowledging their pain and suffering and telling them that being a leader is a hard, you know, slog. And I mm. often say, who's asking the leaders, are they okay? And that can be whether they're the doctors or surgeons. Um, and ultimately, they're ultimately the, the people that have to make big decisions and have that pressure from above, externally and upwards. And it, it is a boiling pot. So I just love helping people be their best self uh, and supporting them to create uh, the life they deserve in work and out. Yeah, fantastic. I love that sort of hearing how you go in and maybe work individually or you're working with a group but you're really empowering empowering every individual in the room um, with that ripple effect within the workplace as well yeah. for the leaders to see too yeah and i love that sort of humanity side as well i'm really keen on that bringing the humanity into healthcare that it is the healthcare providers that are the fundamental part of the healthcare system and that is where i believe a lot of um energy and support should be should be placed so importantly into the healthcare system 
that we have. And look, I typically uh, work with organisations that have got multiple layers of um, hierarchies. And Joe, obviously you're mm. an expert in the medical field, but it's so mm. interesting how that maps to construction, government, um, you know, even IT sections sectors yes. so where or finance where there seems to be ha- like levels of hierarchy I often find the people in the middle it might mm. have been really struggling the most and that's why I dedicated okay. this book called the upstander leader and it, it isn't really about whether you're in a leadership job title as such that we all can ignite the inner leader in ourselves mm. to take control of our life and you know take the wheel and drive it in the dir- direction we want if we're suffering Yes. Yes. Yeah. So good. Okay. Well, I think I've really enjoyed a lot of what you shared and sort of your personal journey and also, you know, how impactful you are in many different workplaces. And we're so lucky to have you um, here to be um, impacting locally and way beyond. Let's finish on um, positioning love as a value. It's your final chapter, I think, in your book. Um developing the love of self in workshops like how is that received and sort of how do you engage your audience in bringing love of self and positioning love as a value in the workplace yeah great question and thanks for asking me this because uh someone told me yesterday i was recording another podcast and and the person said to me that was very brave of you and i went well i guess so um so look positioning love as a value in the workplace is really interesting particularly joe when i work in large oil and gas or male dominated Mm -hmm. industries you can imagine the Mm -hmm. full physical body and emotional response to me mentioning the word love um Mm -hmm. But just to frame it, I'm not talking about romantic love that we have with our husband, wife, partners, you know, whoever you choose. I'm talking Mm -hmm. about love as in compassion, care, kindness, and ultimately all the things we need to succeed. So when I was doing research for my book, uh, the number one thing people from all industries, age groups, dynamics, um, you know, job titles shared ultimately at the core was they wanted to feel seen, heard, and valued. And Mm -hmm. I realized that as human beings, we just want to be loved. And then I started to think about as as a baby is born, uh, you know, we look to our caregivers and parents to actually nurture and love us. Then we enter Mm -hmm. primary school and kids want to be loved, accepted by their teacher and peers, Mm -hmm. go to teens, whether it's in sport groups or music clubs. And then as young adults, when we, uh, you know, emerge to university or trades, we, we just want to be accepted by our peers mm-hmm. and seen, mm-hmm. cared and valued. But then what happens is we step into the workplace, which can be ultra competitive environments uh, where, you know, typically hierarchy, uh, hierarchical or, or through tenure would be done ask mm-hmm. questions, job for life, just get it done suck it mm-hmm. up and you know look, look look at the medical profession for one um joe because you know a lot sure. of people listen to that it's you come yes. in as a graduate and you know you're told to just do what you're told ask no questions uh, with regards to you know people's behaviors or leadership styles mm-hmm. and uh what we're seeing is uh you know people really str- struggling and suffering at work across all industries and there seems to be a, a shift there is a shift happening with different generations but, you know, 
ultimately at the core, we want to be loved and accepted in the workplace. So understanding mm. that and working with a lot of businesses, uh, how can we actually make that tangible? And ultimately, we want feedback. We want to know how we're doing. We want to feel seen, heard and valued. We want our managers or peers, you know, to tell us we're doing a good job. And if that's mm-hmm. happening in the workplace, and we've seen a lot of this happening in the pandemic, uh, people started to work from home. So again, isolation, loneliness, lack of connection, sure. impact. No water cooler. That really impacted our, uh, our connection and our feeling of ultimately love feeling seen, heard and valued. So, yes, you know, it's so important. But what is also important, I distinguish outer love, but also with your listeners, because mm. I even love myself enough to realize how damaging that was. And I ultimately, you know, allowed my physical, mental and, and, and psychological health to be damaged. Luckily, you know, it's being repaired. But sometimes it's having enough love for self to understand that the relationship, the friendship, the workplace, or the way you're treating your body, whether it's with food, chemicals, over-exercise, uh, alcohol, drugs, um, isn't actually serving you for your best life. So giving permission to people to love thyself ultimately impacts our inner and outer world and makes our life you know, better all round. So, when I actually unpack it in workshops, Joe, to answer your question, uh, people feel seen. And, you know, I remember just a quick story. There was a guy in construction that said, oh, I've been so cruel to myself all of my life. I'm 65 years old. I'm retiring. And I wish someone told me this in my teens. I wouldn't have done this job I hate with, the, with people I hate who treated me this way. And I wouldn't have drank excessively to cope with the job I hated. And I just thought, wow, no one has ever given you permission to love yourself. And that, that's what drives me to cut through the, you know, the barriers and the noise, just deliver that, that permission, which ultimately can save lives. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I, I hear that a lot about looking for that, uh, that approval, sort of almost that approval addiction that people might have, looking for that praise coming from outside and questioning whether um, there's any internal validation or internal approval that you can start to give yourself. I love to um, encourage my clients to celebrate their wins on the regular, however small they are. And it's it's bringing that skill of self-reflection and self-awareness, which you've talked about so much as well, to know that you can have that approval from within rather than looking for it externally. Great. Okay. So, Jess, I'm really grateful for your time on the podcast today. I know my listeners are going to get a heap of value out of what you shared today. And I'd love if you could just share with my listeners where they can find you and how they can follow you online. Great. Thanks, Joe. So look, if anyone wants to connect with me, just search my name, Jess Hickman or Jessica Hickman. Uh, my website is jesshickman.com. And also uh, from there, it signposts you to a lot of resources. If you are experiencing bullying, uh, check out the website bullyology.com. And Joe, if you could just drop those links in the show notes. Uh, but I'm always open to people connecting me on social media, LinkedIn, uh, you know, Facebook, Uh, you'll find me at Jessica Hickman. Thank you, Jess, for all those links. We'll definitely put them in the show notes for today. Do you feel complete with everything you wanted to share with the audience? I do. Thank you for giving me the opportunity, Joe. I look forward to uh, working with you in the future.
Thank you so much, Jess. It's been really great to have you on the podcast today. All the very best with the safe arrival of your little precious babe on board. Look forward to staying in touch. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to the Burnout Recovery Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please hit subscribe and head on over to my website at drjoebraid.com. There you can download my free guide with 10 tips to take if you're nearing burnout. See you next time.